Hello and thank you for joining us on another episode of the 47th Hour. I'm Toby and as always I'm joined by my co-host Steve. Hello. And Guy. Hello. If you like the show don't forget to subscribe and you can also follow us on various social media platforms at the 47th Hour. Later in the show we'll be taking a look at our showcase Starship Troopers but before we delve into that let's find out what Steve and Guy have been watching. I gotta admit, I haven't got round to watching this week's episode of Pick Eye Jet, so I will have to do double bill for next week. Did you watch it, Steve? Uh, same as same as you, but I did watch something. I, it came out ages ago, and it's Bionic Woman. And oh my god, I left the room and I came back into the room, and she's waving her arms around. And you're like, is she having some kind of fit? And I had to start the whole thing again because I was like, what what what's going on? Because there was no audio, and I thought maybe my audio would cut out, but. It turns out her sister's deaf and she was doing sign language. So it was just like, okay, okay. And it, and to be honest with you, I think I've got myself a future nomination for the Hall of Shame because it doesn't get any better after that. So, yeah, don't watch The Bionic Woman. It's awful. Which version? <laughs> the new one. <laughs> I say new. Um, it was probably about 2009. So. Oh. The girl from EastEnders yeah. was in it, wasn't she? Yes, yes. And yeah. Katie Sackhoff, she played a villain in the first couple of episodes. Didn't oh, she? Katie Sackhoff is good in it. She's yeah. actually good. She plays a really good villain. It's just, except the Bionic Woman's just rubbish and you've got no faith in her whatsoever. So she, Katie should have been the Bionic Woman, but that's for another Yes. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I've started rewatching Firefly. Um, I forgot oh. just how good it is. But I'm not oh, going to go too much good. into it because I am going to nominate that for a future episode for the showcase. So I'll discuss it then. That's why I'll be watching it now. Have you seen the Strange New Worlds trailer yet? I have. It looks excellent. Um, I am so looking forward to Strange New Worlds. I'm looking forward to Una, number one. I think she looks brilliant. Of course, I've watched the trailer quite a few times because... It's only a minute and a half long and you miss so much stuff. I was very intrigued by La'an. Yes, definitely. Especially that surname, Union Singh. I mean, oh. just from the, the trailer, she's going to have a really, she, she gives you that Xena vibe. She's got the the really dark past going on for her, hasn't she? But will she have a war cry? <laughs> yeah. yeah will she have, well, this is it in the trailer. You see... Um, you see her talking with Spock, mm. the mind meld, and, and you just think, obviously, that's to help her in her turmoil. You can't see it very well, but you can see there's a scene where number one, um, Una, is fighting with La'an. And you, you just think, wow, wow, does number one stand a chance? But actually, then it comes to the corridor scene where La'an and number one are walking along the corridor. And um, number one says, I don't really do anything with the crew anymore. And then La'an says... That's because you scare everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also um, another one as well, where um, obviously La'Anne is going out on a mission and, and Una says to her, I'm your backup. And La'Anne smiles and says, this is going to be fun. You know that if these two are doing anything together, it's, got, it's probably going to be amazing. And um, they've always had good female characters, but I think in this series, they're going to just be more than support. Yes, uh, and they're not they're not going to overpower and become the Michael Burnham saves everything character. Yeah, yeah. Um, Spock looks great. What reservations about the Doctor? Because I think he feels like a transport accident waiting to happen. Uh, 
I don't know to see the thing with the doctor was his clip was just him on his own. He's not interacting with anyone. But and you've I, got to you've got to love that sick bay. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I and I tried to see what the actor had done. He's been in lots of stuff, you know, um, Black Mirror and stuff like that. But I just don't remember him very well. So I was just like, mm, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going to go on. Don't know. I don't know whether I'm going to take to him straight away or not. Um, and I really, I'm really hoping that Hammer is going to be a phenomenal character. I, I'm really hoping. I hope he's not the one that you love to hate, but he's just... Yeah. You don't want him know. to be, be the flocks of the show, do you? Yeah, exactly. You don't, yeah, you don't need flocks, stroke, needic, stroke, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm kind of... From the little clips of Hammer that I've seen so far, he looks brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. And we've got also got Ortigas. She looks like she's going to be fun. Yes, I've seen there's a little bit of a sword fight. Yeah. Um, if you stop the thing, it looks like she's on a ship that's been taken over by some kind of fungus and she's battling her way through plants. And it looks it looks great. She's she's fighting through with the sword anyway in, in the little the trailer. I know more about these characters now than I do Discovery now. The concept of the story for Discovery didn't appeal to me. I was like, through the eyes of one officer. That's not Star Trek. To me, that wasn't Star Trek. That's not what Gene Roddenberry thought he would do when he was going to start Star Trek. Mm. We think Strange New Worlds is right back there. It's right back to it's Gene Roddenberry's original vis- vision. It isn't that... Well, whatever Burnham's in, it's not that. You know what I mean? It's odd because I always think I really what I really want from Star Trek is a follow-on from when Voyager gets home. Yes, um, but that's fine. I can I'll accept this. I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. This is. Uh, do you think you've heard the news that they've recast James T. Kirk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think that Pike is this season only, and then? something's going to happen and Kirk takes over? Um, I think it's possible, but I think that would be a bit disappointing. I think Pike is a fan favourite. The reason this show came along is because Pike and Number One and Smock, the dynamic between those three characters on Discovery was amazing. People just took to that dynamic and said, these characters are great. He is a great Pike. And to bring Pike in for just one season and then take the show off in a different direction, I think that would be almost mis-selling the product to fans in a way in a way yeah i think that it might be commander slightly younger kirk that's what i'm thinking they got um uh they cast the guy from vampire diaries yeah um paul paul wesley yeah and he's got that youngish look which just think right so is he going to be captain kirk it's because they actually just say the role is just james t kirk it actually doesn't say captain kirk ah okay so it could be then definitely i'm hoping that anson mount stays for the course of the series really yeah i Uh, I think he's great and i think his hair in the trailer looks insane (laughs) I, i just think he's just a really likable character he's not so serious he's not got that picardness about him He's half and half. You know, he can be serious if he needs to be. But you can tell, like, in the trailer where he beams in. Yeah. And sorry to interrupt. He kind of smiles. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm not really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know full well what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think, I think it's 
a lot of that is to do with the, um, the actor. I think he's pitching it in a perfect way. But I also think I'm hoping that the character ends up being like a midway point between Picard and Janeway. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and of course, one of the best ones as well, the one that I really like, I'm hoping she's going to be an amazing character. And that is Nurse Christine Chapel. Yes. Her little click looks stunning. Mm. Absolutely stunning. I think she looks as if she has been cast perfectly. Mm. Um, and I can't wait to see how she integrates with the rest of the crew and the storylines that, that, that they have for her. Comes out on the 5th of May, which is a long enough wait. But in the UK, I don't think we're getting it until much later. I think we're, it's waiting until we actually get Paramount+. Plus. So I think uh, a lot of people might not wait that long in the UK to watch it. To be honest, I don't really want to wait very long to watch it. <laughs> I think the worst thing is, is seeing little clips on YouTube. You know, you're like, oh no, if I press it, I'm going to see what's going to happen. And you just... That's it, it's spo- you spoil it for yourself. You do, because you start piecing things together, don't you? Mm. So, well, yeah. Doesn't mean you're always going to be right. Like the Watcher, I mean, in um, Picard, who thought that would be not um, Whoopi Goldberg? We all thought it was going to be Guinan, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Or, or I thought it was going to be um, one of Data's creators. Oh, and Sung kind of family yeah. line. Yeah. Makes sense. It, yeah, but it wasn't that either, was it? So none of us seen what who it was going to be. We've got the results in from our 47 Reasons Why We Love Stargate SG-1. Now, for those of you who don't know, this was a campaign that we were running over Twitter and Instagram. Over the last few weeks, we put up a couple of posts stating each reason why we like Stargate SG-1. And that included villains, episodes, most of the main characters. You know, even the Prometheus itself was one of the reasons. And then we invited the community when we finished the campaign to like and share each one so we could rank them based on how popular each post was. Put it this way, it turned out to be a really fun weekend and people got so invested when their certain characters were falling down the leaderboard because we kept updating every day this is the top 10. This is the top 10. And at one point, Daniel Jackson was like 15 or 16 in the rankings. And yeah, certain people <laughs> did not settle for that and went on their own individual campaigns to try and get the love for Daniel Jackson. Oh, good, good, because that's way too low. It, exactly. I mean, he, if it wasn't for him, the Stargate wouldn't have been opened and the show wouldn't have got off the ground. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but everyone has their individual favourites. Um, but before I discuss the top 10, I have to give a shout out to SG1 Thick Prompts. Basically, this person ran an awesome campaign on their own alongside ours just to get Teal'c and Jacob into the top 10. Okay? <laughs> wow. But not only that, they were not happy that Jonas Quinn, I don't know if you remember Jonas Quinn? Uh, no, no, I he don't. he joined the show for one season when Daniel Jackson left. He was kind of like the archaeologist replacement. The um, actor Michael Shanks then renegotiated pay, so came back the following season. So Jonas was told, "We don't need you anymore." So he left that, that actor. Okay. We asked for a pay rise. Well, I said uh, quite a lot of people weren't a fan of Jonas, so I decided. Well, we decided not to put him in the list. But no, no. SG1 Thick Props was not going to settle for this. 
<laughs> so they demanded that we do do a tweet on Instagram and said, "Look, put one on there because how how am I supposed to run a campaign?" So we did. We honoured that wish and said, "This is for SG One Fit Prompts. If you like it enough, if enough people like both tweets and share them, we will actually put them in to the list." Okay. And oh my days, I've never seen so much engagement and love for a character. I really did not think this character was liked at all. But put it this way, Jonas Quinn, even though he wasn't one of the 47 reasons, we've had to rename it as 47 plus one reasons because he's now in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Congratulations to SG1 Fit Prompts. And I really do think that Corin Nemec needs to send you a pink apron for your achievements in getting him into the top 10. So let's take a look at the top 10. Number 10 is Window of Opportunity. That's a really funny episode of Stargate that involves a lot of time travel. It kind of stuck in a time loop. Uh, good fan favourite. Uh, number nine is The Shroud, another episode of Stargate. This one is where uh, Daniel Jackson has been turned into a prior by Adria. Our SG1 team are not sure whether he's still on their side or has he converted to Ori. So there's a lot of um, misdirection going on in that episode. It's a really good fan favorite. And then at number eight is Teal'c. Very low down the list. I thought he would have had a bit more love, but unfortunately he was brought down by the lack of interaction on Instagram. So that's, that's where he failed. Okay. Um, and number seven, the one that I didn't think would be a fan favorite, Jonas Quinn. He got into number seven. He so said he got 225 points in total. And then the next one is number six, which was the episode 1969. That got 280 points. And that is the hippie episode where Teal dresses up in hippie outfits. We talked about this a few episodes ago. Number five is Janet Frazier. She's the doctor and she shouldn't have left the show. But her exit was very emotional and she was very much a fan favourite. A lot of people didn't want her to leave, but they decided to kill her off because they wanted that emotional thing. And it worked. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But... Yeah, it, it does with certain characters, doesn't it, in certain series? Oh, she was a she was a lovable, likeable. She was just she was like almost like the heart of the franchise in some way. If you got injured or you got hurt, you went to her and she would heal you. Unlike the EMH, who would heal you, but would be very sarcastic and blame you for everything. <laughs> you know? mm. um, and then number four, Jacob Carter. That is, or I should say Jacob Carter slash Selmak. And that was 359 points. And Jacob Carter was Sam Carter's father, who was going to die of cancer. And the only way to save him was to allow one of the Tokra to, you know, go inside him and kind of be, a, he could be a host to this Tokra because the Tokra have the healing power. Right. So Sam, even though Jacob's father was nothing to do with the SGC and shouldn't really have ever been told about this organization, Sam managed to get permission to say, well, look, my dad's dying. Can I give him an option? And, you know, eventually General Hammond kind of gave the okay and it allowed you know, Jacob Carter slash Thelmack to be born and he became a really, really good fan favourite of the show. Um, is probably one of my favourite characters, actually, outside the main cast. Um, number three is Daniel Jackson with 550 points. We all know Daniel Jackson. Awesome yep. character. Became an you know, ascended, came back. You know, he took on Anubis single-handedly and, well, just brilliant character. 
Um, and then number two, Samantha Carter with 573 points. I was expecting her to be number one. Wow, she's only seven points behind Jack O'Neill, who had 580 points. Mm-hmm. So really yeah, close. Uh, yeah, and it had to be one of those two, didn't it? Oh, yeah. You ha- those top, that top three is the, what I would say is the deserved top three, without yeah. a doubt. I'm not overly fussed about the order as it comes in, but that is the top three that I was quite happy to see. I was very worried at one point that Jonas Quinn might somehow get in there. (laughs) (laughs) I think had polling been open for another week, I think Jonas Quinn possibly may have been number one. (laughs) (laughs) It's mad. (laughs) So that's the results. And, you know, we have to thank absolutely everybody who took part in this vote. You made it a fun weekend. And, you know, do look out for our next one, which will start coming out this weekend. And they're for Star Trek The Next Generation. And I'm pretty sure most of you can guess what the first reason is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't be too hard, should it? No. Um, And just in case, for those Stargate fans, if you don't know, you should be aware that Pluto TV has launched a 24-7 channel dedicated entirely to the franchise. Now, Pluto TV is available in the UK. It's free to download, free to watch. They put adverts in, but not too many. It's not, you know, like ITV or Channel 4 or anything. Um, But this is just another sci-fi channel they're adding to the collection. I think there were like 200 channels on that platform now. So, okay, if you like Stargate, give it a go. If you don't like Stargate, don't bother. But if you haven't seen Stargate and you're interested, give it a go. It's free. You may as well try it. I'm sure you'll like it. Anyway, we've got a little bit of news. It's not news as such, but we've decided to dedicate our 10th episode completely to Star Trek Voyager. Our halls of fame and shame will be geared around the show, and we'll be discussing our favourite characters, stories, and missed opportunities. So join us in a few weeks, for our first special episode, and if it's anything you'd like us to mention, don't forget you can message us on Twitter. So we'll have a quick look then, before we go on to our Hall of Fame, at two classic episodes of Voyager that were broadcast this week. The first one is Vis-a-Vis. Now, I know that, Steve, this is you're not a fan of this episode. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, it's, it's the worst episode in season four. Now, the premise of the episode is very good in the sense that the alien can swap bodies. So the potential to have a lot of fun with this episode is definitely there. And they've just missed the whole... They missed the whole thing. The episode starts off with Tom hasn't been the best. And he gets like, you know, Chakotay's talking to him and saying about bad behaviour or whatever. And, and then the episode just... It just takes this lame view because obviously Tom is spending more time on the holodeck than he is in helping the doctor and stuff like that um and it's just like they really missed a beat they really should have made this a lot more fun you've got body swapping going on i mean surely you could have done something so much i mean the possibilities are endless and i just felt like you got to the end of it you were like well season four was excellent of voyager and this this episode just doesn't belong in it it felt like a backup episode, one that they'd had on the burner for a while and somehow maybe another episode didn't meet the mark, was delivered late, so they had to go with this episode. It didn't feel like something that they intended to 
put out. I think you've hit the, the, the nail on the head there. I think it was potentially they were pushed to be able to produce because they, they had a very tight time schedule to produce the Voyager episode. But obviously, if they needed to fill an episode quickly, it did the job. Yeah, um, yeah, I sorry. Think... Yeah, I was saying, as you hit the nail on the head, I think it was just one of the things they had a very tight time schedule. And, and it, it kind of felt like it was one that they already had in the can. And they just thought, mm. do you know what? Instead of doing the one that we're currently filming, we can just put that one instead. And the other episode that was broadcast this week was the episode before and after. Now, this is the one where Kess finds herself living short periods of time in reverse order due to exposure to chronotons. Now, I like this episode because you get to see you know, future cares and little bits going backwards and backwards and backwards. Um, got a bit worried when we were getting towards baby time that they might go a bit OTT on what we were seeing. Yeah. Thankfully, they didn't. I particularly love that this episode foreshadows the events that we see in Year of Hell. I love the fact they put that in. I do um, too. Yeah. Steve, did you like this episode or was this one of those kind of yeah episodes for you? Um, I, no, actually, I, I felt it was probably uh, Kez's second best episode after Warlord. It was really good. I loved the Year of Hell stuff that they put in. Um, I seem to remember as well that when they advertised, because uh, I was in the States at the time, when they when they were advertising Year of Hell before it came on TV, they were showing clips of that episode as a pre a precursor to the episode that was coming. Even though Kez wasn't even in the series any longer, they were showing that little bit before um, Year of Hell came out on TV. So the episode itself, I thought, was was excellent. Um, like I said, you got a bit worried when she got down to the baby stage, but I think that they handled it all right. I didn't think there was anything wrong. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good episode, and it, it gave you that insight into the year of how, so it was great. And Guy, what did you think? It was a bit weird, but I really, really enjoyed the episode. The only thing, the apart from... Like you were saying about the um, the phase shift, which she discovers is one point four seven microseconds. Um, the only thing I would say is that when Captain Janeway says that she's never come across anything like it, and yet you would have thought, as a captain, she might be aware of all good things, but I can't remember if TNG was finishing. And whether Voyager was already in the Delta Quadrant at that stage. Was the last year of TNG going out as Voyager was on air? I can't remember. Voyager I just replaced thought... TNG. So TNG yeah. finished one year and Voyager came in the next. Um, uh, so, But from a time point of view, I can't tell you when the Voyager was lost in the Delta Quadrant. I'm not quite 100% uh, on that. So, I just wonder why she didn't know about all good things. She said that she'd never come across anything like it. And I was just like, well, she, surely she would know about Picard's all good things. But then maybe um, not. I don't know. But would every captain of Starfleet read every other captain's report? I don't think so. Yeah. Picard was not about that, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, when she came up against the Ball Queen, you'd think she'd look into um, John Luke's past just because of the association with the only book, you know, captain in Starfleet history to uh, be assimilated. Also, yes. We also have more problem in, in the, obviously the time lapses, because we're only, we're only watching small seconds of the day and you could actually potentially, they might be reading the logs of all of these people. And you often see Catherine J. Breach just sat in her office with 
pads and pads and pads of information. So oh please she's writing fan fiction (laughs) 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 it's like tom and janeway went skipping through the park (laughs) (laughs) and now for our halls of fame and shame where each of us gets to nominate anything from science fiction or fantasy that they believe should be preserved forever in the hall of fame or burnt for eternity in the Hall of Shame. It could be anything from an item, a character, a storyline, a series. Absolutely anything goes. Last week, Steve won the nomination with the TV series Third Rock from the Sun. So, Steve, you get to go first this week. Um, this week, I'm doing another series. Um, I'm doing Dark Angel. This only went on for two seasons. I felt like it should have had more, but I think it probably had the Terra Nova problem with budgets and stuff, which is probably why it was cut after season two. It was excellent. It was about a soldier who had enhanced abilities. She manages to escape a facility with lots of others. So she's trying to reconnect with the other people that managed to escape. But she's also trying to look into Manticore, which is the company that created them. Kira Norris is in this. Yep. As one of the people that works for Manticore. In fact, I think Kira Norris at some point towards the end of season one saves Mac's life whilst ending her own. Takes a bullet for her, I believe. Uh, Nana Vista plays a really good role in that. Yeah, it got cancelled after the second season. And I think production cost, Toby? Production cost, in any... way. It was ridiculously expensive. And every single episode, they went wildly over budget. And then uh, they were cancelled in the middle of season two, but they were given a two-part like film finale, and they were told wrap uh, it up and wrap it up on a budget. And you watch that film finale, and you can tell they wrapped it up on a budget. Um, uh, season two, I didn't like the character they introduced. I can't remember his name. But he kind of looked like a wolf thing. Joshua. Joshua. Didn't like him. Yeah. Didn't like him at all. And I've also forgot like one of the the main things as well. There's a terrorist attack on the States, which puts out all the communication systems. Was it an electromagnetic pulse weapon that they use on the atmosphere in the US, which knocks out computer and communication systems, throwing the country into chaos. And that's uh, another thing that's going on uh, as a backstory to Dark Angel. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I wish it could have gone on for more. But I think, was it James Cameron was the, was it with these film guys? (laughs) <laughs> always take over always take over budget don't they um, yeah. i mean the thing is though steve you watch those early episodes season one is brilliant stuff and it's the world they created in that first season is fantastic you've got the Indian yeah. pulse it, you've got this world that is or the united states i should say that is completely in disarray um no one has any money she's working as a bike courier you know, they all of that is great and the cast that they put around Max as her friends, like original Cindy, brilliant. Yeah. Original Cindy, to me, looks like she's always, she's just ready to pop out into some 90s R&B musical number. <laughs> <laughs> she's oh just my God. got this perfect, you know, her outfits and everything. She's just going to start yeah. something like on, on a, a song from On Vogue or something like that and just yeah. go completely mad. But um, uh, it's, I, yeah, it's I, funny. Yeah, it's, good it's funny good that show. you um you just said about that. Um, because I used to have a friend back then called Carl, and we always talked about the sci-fi stuff, and I always said to him, well, you've got to watch Dark Angel. And he just went, there's no way you watch that rubbish. And I went, it's not rubbish, it's brilliant. And he went, it's a Britney Spears music video extended. 
Yeah. And that was the last time I ever spoke to him. Because <laughs> no. I was like, no way, Dark Angel was brilliant. I could, I just couldn't, I couldn't have it. <laughs> no, it, Dark Angel's brilliant, but it's just some of the, mm. because she wears this very distinctive um, wardrobe compared with the rest of the cast, sometimes when she's walking with Max and maybe someone on another character and they're walking towards the camera because they're coming out of a nightclub or something, it's like the beginning of a music video, like, you know, Destiny's Child yeah. or something, and they're about to start singing. I get that. It's the film look <laughs> that they gave it, you know, so I, I totally get yeah. that. But as a show, it had a great budget, it had some fantastic storylines, manticore thing, and what's his name that's chasing him down is brilliant. That guy is fantastic. When you think there's some scenes, for example, where I can't remember the episode, I think it's like episode seven or eight, where um, Max frees one of her sisters that's been held hostage. Yeah. Um, and she drives out this like compound on a motorbike, you know, her classic motorbike. It comes up this ramp and he's underneath the ramp and he's trying to get his gun out so he can shoot her. And she just kind of waves at him casually as she goes over him and then bam, drives off with the hostage that he's had. You know, and yeah, like it's yeah. nothing to her to her. Now <laughs> I don't blame I do not blame him for wanting to capture her. I don't blame him for getting angry. Do you know? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. I want this cow i need to get her out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so it, they got some great characters and if i remember rightly season two or is it season one introduces the guy from supernatural um he went on to play dean in supernatural he's in it and he's quite good uh, as the one okay. of her brothers i can't remember his name right yeah now. it's been a long time since i've seen this show but very good nomination yeah. and uh guy what's your entry for this week a bit weak really but my entry is going to be a children's science fiction series called the tomorrow people mm. now children's television isn't the greatest at times but this was science fiction aimed at kids and the original uh series was like i think back in the 70s um but they they did a revisal in in the 90s and it was just brilliant it was it was so um, cleverly filmed and it had young teens with supernatural powers and it was one of those things that just let you escape and, and just imagine like what you could do with the, the, those sort of powers and um, it was it was it was great I mean they actually had some really sort of you know prominent people and they went on to do with lots of um, other, other things um, mm. after after the series it's kids TV so let's not spend a lot in the budget as far as you know, graphics is concerned and, and, and special effects. But from what I recall and what I remember, and remember it fairly fondly, it was like saying it was it was an escape from reality. And as a as, a, as somebody who, you know, rather enjoyed the series, I think it was just one of those, those kind of things you could kind of suspend your disbelief and just enjoy. Um, yeah, personally, love the UK version that was early on. That was the first one on ITV. And that was really good. It was some very dark episodes considering the time slot that it was in on itv yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you had the 90s revival which had if i remember correctly it was a guy from neighbors was in it that's yeah. the main guy but i yeah, might be wrong sure. with that yeah that's yeah. it um that wasn't quite up there it was a bit weak bit trying too yeah. hard to be cool and it didn't yeah, really hit the spot. naomi harris in as well she she got obviously gone on to be like you know movie star and stuff well quite a lot of um, that batch did didn't they um yeah. and then you had the u.s version which did air in the uk but i can't remember what it was on because i watched it weekly 
and that only lasted for a season. Now, I like the show purely because of one of the actresses in it who was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, and she's just a great actress, and she's also in The Orville. These guys were much more grown up, so it was more adult in tone than the yeah. British one, so it wasn't really the Tomorrow People. No. The core concept was kind of the same, but it was more mutanty than you know people out coming out and things like that, which I preferred in the U- the UK one was much more grounded in that respect. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I need before I go on, guy, you've mentioned both the UK one and the Australian version. Are you putting them both in together, or are you separating them out here? No, no. For me, it was it was the UK version that I'm I'm remembering. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like the show. I used to watch it when I was a kid, and it's worthy. I can see it. Have you ever seen it, Steve? Um, I think I remember it coming on, and then just going upstairs to watch Thundercats instead. At the time, I wasn't that set on sci-fi it wasn't something that i needed to watch continuously if thundercats mm. was on seriously i would have gone upstairs and watched thundercats so, i love thundercats i love that show yeah this week i'm going to nominate a company and it's one that produces audiobooks called big finish have you ever heard of this company no no it sounds like they're in another industry too uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow um, no, they released their first adventure in 1996, but their productions are of t- their top quality and they actually get original cast members from TV shows to come back and reprise their roles in audio form. And the productions include, but not limited to, you've got Doctor Who, you've got Blake Seven, Dracula, Terrorhawks, Sapphire and Steel, Stargate, Avengers, Prisoner, Timeslip, Torchwood. I could go on. There's literally loads. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, that was a good show for its own reasons, but we'll get into that. Mm. Um, now, some of these Doctor Who stories in particular, okay, and tortured ones, are actually much better than anything to come out of the TV show in recent years. And it's also allowed some of the doctors to come back and do stories that they wouldn't have been able to do with the budget and the time uh, that they had in the 70s and 80s yeah. and 90s. You know, Paul McGann's Doctor, he's got a whole range of audiobooks. And you've got some of the assistants that have come back and they've got their own range of audiobooks, even without the Doctor in it, because they're that wow. popular as assistants. You've got spin-offs and spin-offs, and it is just the range of stories they do is huge. And each of these is like, some of them are like three to four hours long. And they're done in little mini episodes, if you will, like half an hour, 20 minutes. But they are great. And I've listened to a lot of them and they're just great. I love them. And I think it's a shame that you haven't listened to any Stephen Guy. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know until you said. But um, I sounds interesting for sure. Uh, they were. I w- I kind of consider them responsible for keeping a lot of the Doctor Who flame going before it came back, because they ah. were producing audio. You know, like just like um, oh, the Virgin Books. I think were called Virgin Publishing that did some books for Doctor Who. They kept the fan yeah. base going, so it's very similar for this. Uh, so that's I why see. I'm nominating them purely because they kept Doctor Who going, and they do a heck of a lot for sci-fi. I mean, those that list of shows there. Do you know what I mean? That, it's amazing. That's, yeah. yeah. So that's my nomination. So this week I'm going to do my vote first. And guy, as much as I love Tomorrow People, Dark Angel is a great show. 
So I am going to give my vote to Dark Angel purely because it, okay, it was weak in its second season, but the promise from that first season was fantastic. Yeah. So Guy, would you like to do your vote? Um, I'm in a bit of a pickle here because I was aware of Dark Angel's existence, but I've never watched an episode or even snippets or even of like you know a youtube video of it i've not watched a, a, a second of footage yeah i'm on the have to go to steve because i've got to try and weigh up two things that i've never really known existence of so yeah go to steve first okay steve i'm gonna have to go with um toby selection i haven't really seen the tomorrow people and i think like i don't know if you can really judge something that you haven't seen maybe i should watch it um, but I'm going to vote for Toby Selection because I think that's that sounds really good and something I would be interested in even now. So I'm going to vote for Toby. I think that's probably where I'm going to vote as well. Yeah, I managed to win that and neither of you even knew what they were before they showcased that. <laughs> and now for our Hall of Shame. Last week, Steve won with the episode Threshold from Star Trek Voyager. So, Steve, you get to nominate this week first. Okay, well, this week I'm going with a television writer and producer, but I'm not going for the for the stuff that he's written, like um, Broadchurch is fine, Torchwood is fine. I'm going with his television writing, nominating Chris Chibnall for Ooh. the Hall of Shame this week. I feel like he let Jodie down. I yep. feel like she didn't get the chance to be. She's a good actress because of this. You've seen the stuff she's done before. She's she's fine. But whatever he gave to her, whatever he fed to her, it's the same with Voyager. Just to give you an example, Kate Mulgrew was on set. He said, think of the bridge as your front room. It belongs exclusively to you. You goddamn own it. I don't know what he told Jodie, but obviously it wasn't very good because <laughs> what we got in return isn't something we want to watch. Yeah, I'm nominating him for the step back, if you want. It's almost like Doctor Who has just taken steps back rather than steps forward. Yeah. Um, in in the series. Um, and hopefully it will change because I think he's he's finished now, isn't he? He's he's done. So when yeah, he... the, the new doctor comes in, we'll have a new lot of storylines and a different direction, hopefully. So yeah, Chris Chibnall is is my nomination for the Hall of Shame this week for his work, for only for his television and work on Doctor Who. All Doctor Who, or just Jodie Whittaker era Doctor Who? He's running the show with Jodie Whittaker. So, whereas he was just a writer beforehand. So you're doing showrunner duties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Since okay. he took over, I feel like it's it's gone really just downhill. Right. So would that be a producer? I, I... I suppose. Uh, showrunner, producer, any, yeah. anything not not writing related. Although I'm pretty sure he's written some of these latest episodes, so you could shape I, him for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> really good nomination. And mine's nowhere near that level of class. Um, <laughs> my nomination for this week's Hall of Fame is from a TV series called Angel. And it's a character, and it's an annoying character. And it's Connor, the son of Dala and Angel. <laughs> This, this baby was kidnapped, taken to a hell dimension, and then returns as this bratty, moody teenager that's raised to hate Angel. No cliche there at all. The guy who plays Connor is awful. The whole 
everything around that idea was just the story, the plot, the whole thing. I didn't like it. It was just pointless. You bring Darla into human form just as you can have a baby with Angel and then kill her off. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, ah. But it's, it's, it's a good it's a good nomination. You know that they sat down and watched Buffy and seen Dawn and they were like, oh, she's annoying. Could we make anybody more annoying? Oh, yes. Here, Connor. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing worse is if somehow Connor and Dawn had gone off into their own series. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Imagine that. <laughs> I think if they'd have written it well, it could have been quite interesting. I think if they'd have got the right guy to play the role and he wasn't so bratty, moody, and you know trying to out-angst Angel, it may have held up. But I'm sorry, the whole thing was just a wash. That's why I'm nominating it. And That's a good um, nomination. Guy, what's your nomination for this week? Well, when you started saying that it was from Angel, I started panicking. So I thought you picked the same thing I had. <laughs> um, and it's the precognitive powers of Doyle. Now, my problem is with these particular powers, they may as well be the Betazoi powers of, of sensing something's dangerous because his powers were terrible because they didn't give him the whole story. They gave him only little bits and you had to kind of piece it together. The fact is, I mean, when he gave his powers to, to Cordelia, I thought that was actually quite nice, but I'm not, I'm not putting Doyle in because Doyle actually, I liked the, the whole half-demon side of things. I thought that was quite quirky and when... You know, he revealed itself, all oh, that was clever makeup, and that was that was quite good. I mean, he's got the same problem as Deanna Troy in that respect, because he's half human and he's only got a little bit of the ability. Some girls in danger, I don't know where they are. Like, thanks. I could have told you that. You know? You're boiling it down, guy. You're boiling it down to its really cool <laughs> essence there, but I'll allow it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of just think it was it was lame and it just really yeah. didn't belong. I think they could have done a better way of, of, of kind of inputting that information rather than just randomly having a bloke up in migraine who didn't perform it very well, by the way. Um, and just like, oh, yeah, I've, got, I've just had a, a flash of someone in trouble. Like, oh, great. So we have Steve's entry of Chris Chibnall, we have my entry of Connor from Angel, and we have Guy's entry of Doyle, also from Angel. Oh, again, so just I... his powers, not, not Doyle himself. Oh, sorry, Doyle's powers from Angel. Yeah. I should say Doyle slash Cordelia's, or just when they were in Doyle? Just when they were in Doyle, because it, it, it kind of just got really incredibly annoying. Okay, so I'm going to vote first this week, and sorry, Guy, it's not that difficult. Chris Chibnall, simple, <laughs> move on. <laughs> His showrunning duties have been abysmal. I mean, they got rid of Murray Gold as the person that did the music in that show. That was a uh, massive mistake. Absolutely massive. He gave it emotion. He gave it so much that was added to those stories. Then they went with the visuals. You've got a really dumbed down intro now. It, the music is awful. It's got this weird... 80s vibe even when the TARDIS goes through space it just looks rank then we get to the acting we get to it's just the whole thing the whole thing Jodie Whittaker is a good actress but in this she comes across as like she's doing something for CBBS. it's awful 
Um, yeah. And then the whole, don't get me started on fam. Me and my fam. I'm going out with my fam. Oh. Come on, fam. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I can whinge about that for hours. But, you know, simply put, Chris Chibnall gets my boat. Steve. Right. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Connor. I get the ability thing, but yeah, I'm going to go with Connor because um, just as annoying as Dawn and mm. possibly Wesley, you know, <laughs> that gets my vote. And Guy? Yeah, Chibnall goes in the Hall of Shame. As Whovians, we, we're quite protective of, of the law and, and the way that things are run. There are certain things that we can moan about about certain characters or the way that certain things are done, but Chibnall just hit every marker of how to really, really annoy every Doctor Who fan. Changing the music, changing the direction, changing the way that the actors interact with each other, even like down to the, as you say, with the use of language, poorly done from beginning to finish. Thank Janeway that they've gone back with Russell T. Davis. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I'm actually excited about Doctor Who again. This week's movie showcase is the 1997 action science fiction classic, Starship Troopers. Guy, why did you want to put this in as our movie showcase? I think this is one of those films that people like to hate on. They tend to dislike it. When you watch it, when you actually give it a good chance, it's actually a really good fantasy film especially when you think about like the, the entire nature of it because there's a little bit of science fiction in there but like i just think it's just really really enjoyable film it gets a lot of stick really but maybe the acting is slightly over the top with, with certain people but um I, I, I like neil patrick harris i like clancy brown denise richards great not so much the Dina Mayer character, but like Casper Van Dien and even Jake Busey does a, a, a good job in this. In this, and like I don't like him at all. So actually, yeah, it's a really, really enjoyable film. And ha- hang it, on, it deserves a showcase. Guy, you're talking yeah. about overacting, and you mentioned all those actors, but you did not mention Michael Ironside. Oh well, Michael <laughs> Ironside is Michael Ironside. He he overacts in everything he does, but that's just him. He was he was the worst overacting in that entire film. Um, yeah, I I love the show, the film. I think it's brilliant. I remember seeing it in the cinema and just thinking it was ridiculous, but in a good way. It's very cartoony. Yeah. I like the little segments. You know, they're trying to draft people for action and yeah. all that. Those little um, adverts. Little yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The propaganda in the film That's was it. excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah the and... attention to detail in the film was good. Yeah. Yeah, and the exploding cow. I, I can't remember what it was. Was it the arachnid put the thing through the cow and they're all exploding everywhere? And it's just yeah. funny, but and it's over the top funny. And it, but the thing is, it yeah. knows it is. It's fully aware of what it's doing, and that's why it works. The sequels, no, 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 no. Oh, bad. Sequels. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. bother with the sequels. Yeah, mm. for the same reason as you just stated, Toby. I, I really liked. Um, the little bits of of detail in there, the comedy, the propaganda, it was a good film. Um, I didn't watch it at the cinema. I seen it on um, VHS video, but um, I think I would have liked to have seen it at the cinema. Mm. I think it probably would have been a better cinema film than a, a VHS video film for sure. What would you say is your highlight piece of this film? 
Steve, what would you say is the best bit of the whole film? Probably got to be the blood and the guts. <laughs> I I just thought it was brilliant. That was that's the best bit. I don't know. It, it, you can't like praise it for the writing because there's not really a lot to it in that sense. I think you know the, the comedy bits are funny. Yeah, some of the deaths of the characters I thought were done very well. I, I, lo- I love the the brain bug. Yeah. yeah, sucking the brains out. Brilliant. Yeah, is, yeah. Like, there you go. Is, See, this is directed by Paul um, Verhoeven, who is a um, Dutch director who's responsible for Total Recall, and he's got his, you know, he's, he's got the, the the credits to do it. Um, you know, the propaganda efforts were like with the kids stomping on the cockroaches. It's like you can do your part, you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was just, just yeah, really tongue in cheek yeah. and very cleverly done. Was, yeah, lots of guns, lots of violence, bit of bit of nudity. It was just it was, it was just done really, really well. High octane, high fun, really, really good film. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I couldn't agree more. Uh, but did you? ever catch a tv show called space above and beyond yeah oh i've heard of it but i didn't watch it now, that actually comes the creation on that comes from the same source material as starship troopers but yet they're completely oh. and utterly different approach starship troopers is all out fun and gratuitous but space above and beyond is very very dark yeah you know that oh. and it was some of the creators that were on um the x-files created that it's not spin off or anything like that but they got together mm-hmm. to do it and it was cruelly axe cruelly axe show starship troopers is up there with one of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies that's kind of set in space sci-fi movies you know time travelers yeah do you know when they're trying to land on the planet and all the ships are getting destroyed yeah. and the, uh, yeah. the bugs are firing up at them i think there's actually some really good cgi there oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um Okay, then, because in two weeks' time, we've got our Star Trek Voyager special episodes coming out. Can you imagine if the plot from this was a two-part Star Trek Voyager episode? Can you imagine that working? Yeah. Like Janeway arriving on the planet and trying to deal with that. How would that differ with Janeway and co involved? Oh, can you remember the macrovirus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that. <laughs> essentially her taking on the entire bug crowd and just kicking ass yeah because all the rest be trapped because they're useless (laughs) oh do you think she'd capture the brain bug though it would be her new number one not only would she capture it she would manipulate it into yeah yeah she'd use it She'd have it like sat next to her as a number one with a little toy. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Brainbug? Do you think Jacoby's in the wrong? I see. Okay. <laughs> yes, he's in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Brainbug? Should we listen to Jacoby? No, as usual. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then, where would Jacoby go <laughs> if you if you've got him as number? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you could go down as Neelix assistant, couldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Great episode, like two, three part episode of Voyager. Had they got like the bugs and stuff coming towards them and now to deal with that thing. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen Janeway going out with the macrovirus, like just that rifle that she had, which she never holds again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, someone's seen the Ripley movies and really wants Janeway to get the role. 
<laughs> Kate Walker's like, I could do an alien movie, look. There we go. <laughs> so that's it for another episode of the 47th Hour. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow the podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok at the 47th Hour. Thanks for listening.